0: Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about the resurrected life. What is the biggest problem you are dealing with right now? I want you to think about all the problems that you could have going on in your life right now. It could be financial, relational, emotional, it could be economical. You could just say the whole world's messed up, whatever it is. But you you have these things. And take the biggest one, the biggest problem in your life right now. And if I was to solve it right now for you and just somehow... A miraculous thing would happen. And I solved the biggest problem of your life right now. Would it make all the other ones seem a little bit less? Right? Would it make all the other ones seem, okay, whew, I got the biggest one out of the way. I think I can handle the rest. What is the biggest problem facing the world today? I'm going to tell you. The biggest problem in the world today. This is the most serious, unsolved problem. Demanding problem facing our country. It's facing every nation, every person today. This problem is destroying every single family. Every day, 150,000 people are killed by this. And every year, that totals up to 54.7 million people are being overcome by this problem every single year. 54.7 million people are killed every year by death. Our biggest problem in the entire world is not an economical problem, it's not a war problem, it's not a cancer problem, it's not a heart disease problem, it's not a president problem. Our biggest problem in the entire world today, facing every single person that 54.7 million people a year are killed by, is death. Death is the most biggest problem humanity faces. And you wouldn't know it, though, by how we live our lives. Death is disregarded by most people. Uh, We live like death is far off, but death is a certain thing. It's coming. It comes quicker for some. It can be sudden and unexpected, as we all know. And, well, many times we live like it's not real. And it seems, though, the older you get, the more you want to hang on to this life. We try the creams and we, you know, the little lifts and we try to get the hairs to not look like they're going so less anymore, guys. And, you know, we do the exercise things and, and we take all the keto and all the weight management programs we can do just to hang on to youth and life just a little bit longer. But we know death's coming. Many even lie to themselves and say, well, I'm going to face death like a good old friend. You know, I'm just going to embrace. It's just going to be in the great beyond. You know, I'm going to go and enjoy it with all my peeps up in heaven. Death is certain and death is no friend. Death is a curse. Why, Why is death? Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, and because one man sinned Adam, that all have then sinned, and because Adam died, then all die, and that all have sinned. And the Bible says that death entered into this world through sin, so death now rules us, the Bible says, and it's death is our doing, it's a consequence, and it's the worst problem of man. So that's why, but what? What is death? Death is the separation from life, you're like, well, no doubt, Pastor Heath, I know that. It's when you're not alive anymore, you're dead. But death really is the separation from life, and this is important because that is both physical and spiritual. You see, when Adam sinned and he, him and Eve ate of the garden, uh, that tree that they weren't supposed to, they didn't die immediately in the flesh, but they did die immediately in the spirit. But death is a state. It is a, per, uh, a way that you are. It is a realm that you live in. And death is separation from life because God is life. And even though they didn't die in the physical, they died in the spiritual because they were separated from God. They were dead in sin because there is no life apart from God. And what does death do? It separates us from life, but really because God is life, it separates us from God, Death is no friend, death is a curse, and death is the worst problem you will ever, ever deal with. You say, well, i got a b- bad marriage, I've got to go in, you know, we're trying to get a new job. Death is the worst problem you will ever deal with. And if I can deal with your worst problem, it's going to make all the other ones a little bit easier. Thank God there was a man who dealt with our worst problem. Amen. And so all other problems are a little bit easier. You see, death... It's never a friend because death in the Bible is personified in Revelation as the last enemy of God. And the Bible says that with death comes, hell follows with him, and hell takes us to the lake of fire. So death is an enemy of God. The Bible says that the last enemy that God will deal with is death, and he will take death and Hades, who falls with him, and throw them into the lake of fire, and He says that death will be abolished finally. So death is no friend, death is a curse, and death is the biggest problem you will ever have to deal with. And if we can deal with death, it should make everything else pale in comparison, because the biggest problem of your life has been solved. So the problem is, most people don't know, is that they're already dead. You know, there's this very popular movie, I won't say the name of for copyright reasons, but there's a, a story about a man who unknowingly is dead and he's helping this little boy. Some of you are going to get it here in a second. He's helping this little boy, and the little boy has a secret. He says, I see dead people, right? So some of you all know what I'm talking about. The whole movie goes on, and you don't know that the main character is actually dead, and he doesn't know he's dead. And the whole point of the movie is to find out he is unknowingly dead, and all around is unknowing dead people. I, I think about that everywhere you look in this world you're going to see dead people. They're not physically dead yet, but they are spiritually dead. Why? Because there is no life apart from God. There is no hope apart from God. There is no peace apart from God. There is no eternity apart from God that is living. And so if you are not living in God, you are walking dead and unaware. You are unknowingly dead. They go, well, we're not talking about zombies here and all the dead people. That's what we think about, you know, walking dead. No, we're, there is, there is walking dead people, millions and millions of walking dead people. And they're dead, and they don't know it. If God is not in you, you're as good as dead, because the Spirit of God must be in you for you to be alive. There's no hope over death. But here's the good news. 1 Peter 4, 6 says, for this gospel has this purpose been preached even to those who are, somebody say, dead. dead. It's been preached to the dead people. Not talking about, he's not talking about people in the dirt. He's talking about living dead people, the walking dead people. I wasn't going to put the graphics on the screen from the popular TV show, right? But the walking dead. He's talking about preaching to the walking dead people. That even though they are judged in the flesh as dead men, they may live. Somebody say, live. They may live in the Spirit according to the will of God. This is the good news, that there is resurrection power in a resurrection Christ. And if you want to have resurrection power on the day that death comes knocking at your door, you better be living in the resurrection life right here and right now. It's not going to have a. There's, it's not this power that comes just at the end of your life. There is a power that is living and breathing inside of you right now. Before you ever die, you before you ever need that resurrection power, you're already able to live in the resurrected life. There is a resurrection life that comes with a resurrection power. So the question is, are you living or are you dying? Are you certain God is in you? And are you dead and unaware? Let's look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 10. We know the story. Jesus has just died. He's just performed the last and greatest miracle of his life. He's resurrected Lazarus from the grave. And all the hopes of these followers are in Christ. And now the day comes, and on a Friday, uh, he is crucified, hung on a cross for six hours. Jesus dies. Jesus dies. Dies. The Bible says he was buried in a new tomb and a large stone was rolled in front of it. And guards were placed there just so no one would steal his body. And that's where we find ourselves in this story. Matthew says in chapter 28 verse 1, Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came and took, looked at the tomb. And behold... A severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord had descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothes white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became as what? Like dead men. And the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who's been crucified. He is not here, for he is what? What? Risen, Just as he said, come and see the place where he was lying. And they went away and told the disciples, and you go on, and it says that Jesus showed up and said to Mary, rejoice. And she worshipped him, and she took hold of his feet and worshipped him. He said, do not be afraid. Go bring word to my brothers to leave for Galilee, for there they will see me. You know, Peter ran to the tomb. John ran there and got there first. Peter burst past John, went in, and they saw the linen wrappings there folded and neatly in the face cloth placed separately. And then they went on to their own homes. And then Jesus, for 40 days, would begin to appear to the disciples and teach them and open up the Scriptures to them. And he would say, Go and wait till the power of the Holy Spirit comes on you in Acts. And they would come, and the flames of fire would come upon them. And then Peter would preach this on that day in Acts 2.22. Just listen to what he says. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus of Nazarene, a man attested you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst. And you know this. This man was delivered by the predetermined plan of God. And you nailed him to a cross by the hands of godless men and you put him to death. But verse 24, but God raised him from the dead, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held. And its power. There was an earth shaking moment when Jesus walked out of that tomb. Now, you know, the angel had, he was already gone before the angel got there, but in that moment, when that stone is rolled away, there's an earth shaking, shattering moment where real dead people and real living people are realized. There's another earth-shattering moment coming one day very soon when real living people and real, real dead people are going to be realized. The Bible says that our greatest hope is gained through Jesus Christ, who the Bible says is the living one. The Bible says in Revelation that He now holds the keys of Hades and death. And His visible resurrection act says is the proof that He's going to judge the world. The Bible says that He is going to come one day because He's man. As a man He died. And for man He became alive. And so through man He Can live. So he says, because he has done this on behalf of man, he gains the right to judge man, both living and the dead. And there'll be a final resurrection. He says, the dead will be judged as dead men, and the living will be judged as living men. The living will go on to everlasting life and the dead will go on to everlasting death. You see whatever state you are in right now, that is the state you will be in for all eternity. Some people are waiting for this final moment for everything to be sorted out, but it's already sorted out right now in your seat, right where you are. You have judged yourself and I have judged myself for however I have received the resurrection of Christ. If I have become alive in Christ, I will live forever. If I I am dead in my own works. I will be dead forever. You see, you don't have to wait for judgment day and you don't have to wait to a second coming or a rapture. You have already determined who you are and who you'll be for eternity right here and right now. You are either alive in this room or you are already dead. And it matters, church, it matters that you know which one you are because I can't know for you. So I'm going to tell you, how do you know if you are dead and unaware? Because many people are unknowingly dead. I'm going to give you five quick things about the resurrection life that comes with the resurrection power of Christ. The first is, you have to know this, Jesus' life is the only life. The Bible says in uh, John chapter 1 that Jesus is the life, and in him was the life and the light of men. There is no life. When God said, let there be light, there was light. Everything God said came and all life has come from God. There is no life apart from him. You are only on borrowed time. You are only living by the grace of God right here, right now, that he has given you such an age of grace for you to have a choice to figure out if you want to live forever or if you want to die forever. But let me tell you something. There is no life in eternity apart from God. It does not exist. There's no no such thing as anything living apart from God. Everything came from God's life because God is life. There is no life apart from Jesus. There's a lie, though. There's a lie of the devil where Satan comes in on the garden scene and says, Eve, don't worry. You won't surely die. Same lie. So many people are believing all across our parish and our world and our country today. You're going to live. When death comes, don't worry. You're okay. You're good. You can still live how you want to live. Eve, you can do what you want to do. You can be the best you. Be your own me. Just be a good person. Go to church now and then. Just be moral. Be upright. You're not as bad as those other people. He's not dealing with the real issue here. Man, it's a surrendered life. It's a life that's in the life of God. Is the only life. Jesus is the only life But Satan says death's no big deal. The Bible says, though, that Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. So number two, that Jesus can be your life. Jesus can be your life. Jesus died and rose again as a man, so his death can be your death, and his life can be your life. Hebrews 2.14 says, Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, like I have children who share in my flesh and blood, he himself also partook of the same. That through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death. That's the devil. It might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. What does that mean? As a child of Adam, you'll die. But as a child of God, you can live. You've got to change addresses. You've got to change DNA strands. You've got to get off of the natural man and get onto a the spiritual man. You have to live as if you're a son and daughter of God being born again. Christ died for your sins as a man, Romans says, but was raised so all men can be right with God. That even though you are dead in your sins, Ephesians says, he can make you alive, what? Together in Christ. You see, there's a union of our hearts and our mind and our spirit with Christ. And we leave this fleshly life, this carnal life, and we come into a new life We get joined with Christ, and that's why you need his resurrection power in you. Here's the good news, because in a saint, in a child of God, in a Christian, a true believer, the Bible says death is only sleeping. Death, Paul says, is only sleeping. Death in Christ is blessed. The Bible says it's gain. It's full of faith. It's peace. It's hope. You can meet death, the Bible says, without fear and without sting. 1 Corinthians 15, that death in Christ leads you to rest, to comfort, to a crown of life, to a joyful promise of resurrection. While death is a curse and no friend to this world, death is a blessed beginning to a life you've already begun. It is something new, and you're going to go from glory to glory because you have resurrection life. How do you get this power? Number three, you must repent. Romans 6 4 says, We've been buried with him through baptism into death, so that Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, so that we too might walk in the newness of life. The only time, listen to me, the only time a believer dies is to self. Saint of God, you'll never die. You're going to pass from life into life. Death has no hold on you. Death has been defeated. Death will never touch you because death only takes people to hell. Death is an enemy of the people of God. But you are only asleep in Christ. And the only death you are called to die in this life is to die to yourself. Because yourself is the only thing of you that's going to die. It's the part of you that will stay here and stay into the dirt. But you will live. But well, the Bible says, you must repent, be crucified with Christ. I had a, I had a neighbor, he had a, a German shepherd, so we lived in the city. And there was a really, really strict leash law. And so he had him as a puppy. And I don't know if you have German shepherds or not, but uh, apparently very loyal dogs, right? Uh, and so he had this puppy, and his name was Cause. And he would walk around uh, the neighborhood. And at first, because I had a little one on, you know, uh, or we had little kids in our church, you know, on a property. And I worried, you know, this guy's got no leash on this dog. Every time cause the German shepherd, would start getting away, he'd be like, Kaz, get over here. And that dog came right back. He never, ever used a leash the entire time of the dog's life. He just walked around the block. There's cats, there's squirrels, there's people, there's mailmen. That dog walked right by his master. And any time he began to stray, he heard his master's voice and he obeyed, obeyed and came right here. One time he even came up to my back porch because his master went inside. His master call, saw him out and he called him. That dog, as soon as he was sniffing around my flowers, turned around and whipped right back to his master. That's the surrendered life. That's the surrendered life. A surrendered, repentant life is one, not that is a rule-based life or a religious-based life or morally, you know, find out how you want to order your life, morally life. It is a, I heard the master's voice and I am beckoned to his call. I'm surrendered. My will is given up from my master's will. If my master says, come, I come. You see, some of us are walking around on leashes and you're like my dog. Because as soon as I take my dog off of a leash, if a squirrel comes, boom, she's gone. I don't care what I'm saying, yelling. I'm running around town in my shorts trying to get my dog out of the different people's porches. That's my dog. And I wonder sometimes if we really have the surrendered life, it's because we're on a leash. And what happens if we let that leash go? Have we truly had a surrendered heart to the master's voice? Are we just trusting in leashes? Because the Bible says you have to repent, give up self, deny yourself, crucify yourself, and follow Christ's voice. Those who love me will obey me. Those who hear my voice will come to me. My sheep know my voice. You listening to this? Have you repented? Or did you just get a bunch of leashes? Because you can go to a lot of churches with a lot of leashes. Don't dress this way. Don't do that way. Don't go watch that. Don't do this. Do that. Pay your tithes. I'll call you. da 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 Get off the leash. Surrender to your master's voice. That's repentance. Number four is you must believe. You believe in your heart, you confess in your mouth Jesus is Lord. You believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. John says through believing you have life in His name. What does it mean to believe? A believe for John the Apostle meant to abide in Christ. That a true believer was a true worshiper. A true believer was one who would long after they had repented. But a true believer was not just in head knowledge, but it was in heart knowledge. It was in intimate knowledge. As a man who leaned on the chest of Jesus, as one who went all the way to the cross with Him. As one who gave up their life for Him. As one who wanted to spend time in his presence. If you're a believer, you're a lover of God. Many people, in the Bible says, and we quote this all the time, that even the demons know who Jesus is, but they don't serve him. Believers know his voice, believers are lovers of his presence. If you have faith, you'll have life. And number five is this you must receive. You must repent, you must believe, but not just in a head sense, in a heart sense. Number five, you must receive. Romans 8 says, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. What does that mean? If the Holy Spirit's in you, you're going to get resurrected. If the Holy Spirit that was in Jesus is in you, you already have resurrection power and you're going to be resurrected. But how do you know? How do you know if the Holy Spirit is in you? Well,. The Bible says this promise will come like a river within you in John 7. He comes from believing the word of God and through the prayer of faith, Galatians 3. This God uh, has given you a seal or deposit, Paul says in Ephesians. It's an internal proof and then there's the visible proofs we see in the book of Acts. There is expectations of having the Holy Spirit in your life. There's a Christ-like fruit and there are Christ-like works that comes out. And the Romans says that, that you can in your heart know it and you can cry out to your Father. And the Spirit can make groanings inside your heart that according to the will of God that you You'll know a true, born-again, blood-bought, spirit-filled believer will know and have a confident hope of their security in Christ. They will know who they are because they have an identity that's been given to them, not from a pastor's voice or from a Sunday school class, but from a personal living relationship with Jesus Christ that's manifested on the inside and expressed on the outside. You see, um, I bought everything has a guarantee. I'm almost done. Everything has a guarantee. Uh, so, I, I bought my, when my, da- my daughters were born, I bought these little silver coins, you know, just so they'd have something uh, in the future. And who knows, maybe, the, maybe one day the economy will do better and we'll have you know, some worth in things. And so, I got these coins, but to, I don't know if it's real silver or not. You buy something on the internet, you never know what you're going to get. So, it comes with this seal of authenticity a stamp of approval that says, This is X and X amount of Troy ounce silver. And so I don't have to melt it down to prove it, right? I get to keep the coin because I have a seal, a standard of authenticity. I have a seal of approval that says this is what it says it is. That's the Holy Spirit on your life. You have a down payment. You have a deposit. You have a seal of proof that you know that I can go to death any day, man, and I've got a seal. I've got a guarantee. I've got proof that this thing is valid. It is what it says it is. I've got eternal life already living on the inside. I ain't got to wait to die to find out if I made it or not. I can know right here and right now. I've got God's seal. The same is true of a U.S. passport. You want to go live outside the country for a while? You want to come back home? Guess what you got to have? You got to have a U.S. stamp, that seal that's kind of holographic in there. If you want to make home one day, if you want to make heaven one day, your passport better have the seal of the Holy Spirit on it. There's no way you're getting through the custom gate of heaven unless you already have resurrection power living on the inside of you. Otherwise, you're just here today as a dead person and unaware. And I, listen to me, I can't teach you enough, preach you enough. We can't worship for you enough. We can't minister to your kids enough for me to tell you how to get that and if you have it or not. You have to come to a place where you have repented, you have believed, And you have received. And you've got to know that you know. Don't trust in me to tell you you're going to heaven. Don't trust in some pastor. Don't trust in some Romans Road template that you filled out in Sunday school class. Don't trust in a water baptism tank. Don't trust in some prayer that you prayed here. You need to know that you are living on the inside. That Christ is alive in you. And that when you face death, it won't be just be passing over into new life. Man, it's not even going to touch you because you are a friend of God. Yes. Are you dead and unaware? Christ's life must be in you. If you're alive right now, you'll know. And you're either alive by the Spirit of God or you're dead and unaware. Would you bow your hearts and your heads with me this morning? We're just going to take a moment. I, I just want us to make sure and examine our hearts. There's nothing more important. Some of us have been in church perhaps for years, and we still don't know. We're trusting in doctrine and denomination, we're trusting in an experience that we had years ago, we're trusting in head knowledge. You say, Well, I don't believe in all these other religions. I obviously, man, believing is more than just knowing. Believing is having a living relationship with Jesus Christ. And when you believe by faith, he comes on the inside of you, and he makes you alive. And do you have a living hope in Jesus today? Because the biggest problem of your life is whether you will be living or dying for eternity. The biggest problem of your life is death. Are you living or are you dying? Every head bowed and every eye closed. No one looking around. And you say, Pastor Heath, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where I'll spend eternity. And I need that security and that confidence in Christ. I need to make it right today. Before you leave this place, you know the Holy Spirit's working on you. And you're here today. And maybe it's your first time here. Or maybe you've been here hundreds of times. And you just say, I just need someone to pray for me and I'm going to give you a moment as you begin to